Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the second Exert podcast. Uh, I've noticed that we're still lacking a title, so it'd be great to hear some feedback from you guys. Let's uh, get some ideas on what we're going to be titling this podcast series. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by Armando. Hey there. And Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about how fit are you? Uh, we're going to be talking about Exert's calculation of fitness signature and how that impacts your training. Now, uh, let's get started by uh, talking to Armando here. Uh, can you kind of explain what's a fitness signature? What, what is it telling me? So uh, a fitness signature is a set of three numbers. Um, one is your threshold power. Uh, one is called your high intensity energy. And the other is your peak power. So rather than talk about all three in general, we gave them this, we coined the term fitness signature to really re represent all three. Um, and, you know, I think people are, a lot of people are familiar with some of these concepts like the threshold power. Um, you know, it's similar in many ways to what people would use for FTP. There are some differences that we'll, we'll get into. Um, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the critical power model, if you're those who are into the physiology and the research in that area. So there's some, there bears some similarities with, with that. Uh, and similarly, we have um, high intensity energy. High intensity energy is measured in kilojoules. So it's not measured in watts. Um, and it is the second element of your, uh, your fitness signature. And what high intensity energy is, uh, and maybe Scott will maybe talk a little bit more, more about this during the podcast, because um, I know we get a lot of questions about, you know, what is high intensity energy and how do I interpret or understand it? It's a little bit abstract, but ultimately it is a measure of how much capacity do you have above your threshold? And what that means is that if your threshold is, let's say, 200 watts, your high intensity energy would help you understand or help measure how long you could sustain, let's say, 250 watts. Okay, so if 200 is a watt, you know, a watt you can you can sustain for a very long time. Obviously, you couldn't hold 250 the same amount of time. There's going to be a limited duration of that power. Yeah, and it's also different from if I suddenly asked you to go 300 watts. Right. right. How long you can last at 300 watts is quite different from. 250 or 225 or 400 so right. that's where high intensity energy really becomes a unit of energy rather than watts so right that's why it's in kilojoules rather than what we always see in terms of threshold power or peak power as being in watts itself right and peak power is really what we termed your highest one second power so if you were to get on your bike and find the opportunity to put out as high a wattage as you could for one second, this rep would, rep would represent your, your limit of performance. What is the highest power that, that uh, you could generate on, uh, on the bike? All right. So in our last episode, we talked about breakthroughs and kind of how they're used to describe an athlete's fitness. Now, would you be able to kind of clarify now, how are these three parameters that you've just described uh, obtain from that uh, breakthrough activity, or how do those three parameters uh, contribute to generating power? So, uh, while you're on your bike and you're um, you're uh, in the middle of your road race, your race, or crit, or time trial, um, as you're as you use up energy above your threshold, your 
maximal power available, your MPA starts to decline. And that, in fact, when you think about threshold power, people ask us about threshold power. That's in essence how we look for it. We look in your data to, to see at what power does your maximal power start to decline and, and what power that below this does it re uh, recover and replenish. So it's different in the sense we're not really looking at your ability to sustain power for one hour or 20 minutes and taking 95% of that or however you want to derive, let's say, FDP or in critical power modeling where you're doing multiple tests or doing various tests to kind of establish what your critical power is. We look for this, this true threshold, this demarcation in your data that says above that your, your MPA is going to start to decline. So, so we map out, we use the, that information to map out how your MPA moves up and down during your rides. And that in, in establishing your MPA, we can then look for and determine what your fitness signature parameters actually are. All right. So uh, kind of getting back to my question just a little bit earlier, if I were to get a breakthrough, we, we talked about max effort breakthroughs in our previous podcast. Now, if I kind of pedal as hard as I can for a few seconds and I achieve a breakthrough there, how does the exert go about determining whether that breakthrough was a caused by an increase in my peak power or my threshold power? So the the relationship and how you generate power is actually there's a lot of patterns that exist in the data, right? So as an example, in your um, uh, if you if you if you're looking at your your let's say your maximal power at 250 watts and your you know your um, uh, your your threshold power is let's say 200 watts and you're looking at okay I can have 250 watts and you can sustain that for a period of time let's say it's three minutes so your three minute power would be 250 watts um, your uh, one minute power might be you know, uh, 500 watts let's just say. So you already exhibit how much power you can sustain over a given duration. And that's your power curve. So if people are familiar with your power curve, you've seen that in, in other, other systems. We, rather than looking at what you've done historically with uh, your efforts, your, these maximal efforts, these personal bests, and mapping out what your power curve is, we calculate the power curve from your your signature parameters so the fitness signature derives your power curve and the power curve ends up being this kind of theoretical maximum that you could sustain over any given duration so we get a lot of questions from our our customers who are asking you know how did you come up with the fact that i can hold 500 watts for one minute i've never done a one minute effort well that's because that's how the signature uh, is used and can be mathematically used to calculate your one minute power. And we kind of know it works because it's mapping out your MPA. It's, it's been derived from your MPA. So this is kind of like a, kind of like a, a feedback process where the data in calculating your MPA helps us understand what your signature is and then the fitness signature helps us derive the MPA. So if we're accurately mapping your MPA in an activity, 
that means that we have the correct signature. And therefore, if we have the right signature, then we should be able to predict what you can perform over any given duration. So even though you may have never done a one-minute power effort before, because we know your signature and it's been predicting and, and establishing your MPA, we can then say, hey, you should be able to hold 500 watts for one minute. And that's a really important point that, in essence, the more data you feed into the system, the better your signature becomes. So if you just went and started using Exert and you just plugged one ride in, it's not necessarily going to give you the best signature because it needs needs to kind of see you more and more and more to refine its approach, right? And that's particularly true when, you know, people, let's say, come with their FTP test, right? So the FTP test gives you, you know, you've done 20 minutes and you're saying, okay, let's work out what, our, what the signature is. Well, in reality, you don't have enough information in FTP test to tell you three variables, right? If you think about it, the FTP test, usually when you calculate your FTP from a test, we say take 95% of the 20 minute power. But that's just a generalization, right? It's not really that precise. It just says, because not everybody fits into that category. You know, some people have a larger high intensity energy than others. So what's, how, what, what does that mean, right? So if you have a larger high intensity energy, that means if I'm going to do, let's say we do this 20 minute test and we do it at, you know, 240 watts. Um, if you have a larger high intensity energy, that means a greater proportion of that work that you did or the power that you are, are produced at 240 watts, a greater proportion of that work was performed, was derived from your high intensity energy. That means your, your threshold is now lower and vice versa. If a smaller percentage, a smaller contribution of that high intensity energy was to that 240 watts, then your threshold would be higher. Now, 95% is kind of roughly okay for a lot of athletes, but it's certainly not kind of pervasive where everyone has this, this percentage. And so what Exert helps you to do is to determine what that percentage is or that, 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 that you know, the trade-off between HIE and threshold power. And a lot of times you can't get this from one ride, right? You need to kind of see multiple points of failure across different rides or even within one ride. So it is, technically it is possible to get a really good signature from one ride, but it really means that, you know, you, you gotta have these maximal breakthrough efforts multiple times in this ride at different intensities. And if you can do that, then yeah, you can actually get the signature from just one ride. But most often times, you know, uh, you're getting breakthroughs at one intensity, breakthroughs at another intensity, and they happen over the course of a, of multiple uh, activities or, you know, a month or a couple of months. And so Exert will use all that information to try and, try and determine what the relationship is of all your different fit fitness signature variables. Yeah, and that's like the, the Monty Python and Life of Brian where you had the 700 plus mob all going, we're all individuals, you know, chanting together. And that's somewhat <laughs> the, the whole idea when you have everything pinned to one parameter. Like if you do just a simple FTP test. Now, Scott, you and I are roughly the same height. Uh, since I've been had my accident, I'm a bit heavier, so <laughs> probably about the same weight. But we may end up that you and I have the exact same weight and exact same FTP. Let's say it's 250. And 
most systems would say, or many systems would say, well, you know, you and I are going to react exactly the same and get the same stimulus, same benefit from if our if our FTP was 250, that if I said, okay, go at 300, you and I are going to get it the exact same benefit and stimulus. But we know that's not the case. We know, for example, and you've all seen this on your rides, that some of us just love sprinting and can go and attack that short, sharp hill and do that day after day, whereas other people can go at, a, at that steady pace and it may be a really high steady pace, but as soon as they go above it, they blow up and explode. So that's where modeling based on more than one single parameter really, I feel, makes intuitive sense, right? That you you are much more than just one single value and, it's, and everyone is different. The classic example is you look at a, a track sprinter at very one end of the extreme and we call our athlete type at that level a road sprinter or you go to a a, a grand tour rider or a triathlete where they're going for extended periods of time and their physiology is completely different from each other so that's the way to really look at why do we need more than one value for a signature now, one of the things that I've been reading up a lot on lately is the critical power and W prime model. And one of the questions that I see from a lot of our customers out there is, okay, so what's the difference between W prime and HIE? And uh, in, they're analogous in a lot of ways in that they both kind of represent this capacity that you can perform above threshold. Uh, the main difference between what's calculated as W prime in HIE is that the W prime as it is uh, does not account for any sort of rate limit. Uh, and that means that uh, as I have this capacity, I can spend it however I'd like. So if my threshold is 200 and I can ride uh, at 250 watts, I'll draw down that capacity. But when I'm near failure, uh, the existing model kind of suggests that as long as I have capacity left, I could sprint as hard as I want. Now, a lot of us intuitively know that if you go out and you perform kind of this hard four-minute effort uh, where uh, MPA is drawing down close to where your power output is, you know that you don't have the capacity left to perform a peak power sprint. And that's where HIE comes in. It, it not only represents this capacity for uh, how much work you can perform over threshold, but it helps us determine what MPA is. Uh, and that is going to become important as we use that capacity. Uh, it's going to be we're going to be also limited by MPA. You know that's that's precisely it, Scott. So that's kind of where they were we're distinguishing what exert does from what you might see in the scientific literature with CPW prime, or whether you might see with other software. And I can't really speak specifically about FTP and our FRCs. I'm not that familiar with it, but it appears to be somewhat analogous to the CPW prime, which has that principle by which you have this capacity. It's like this battery, right? So people talk about HIE and exert MPA like a battery. Well, MPA is not quite like a battery. It you think of HIE and W prime and how it's used and replenished and recharged, that's more battery-like. But MPA, it's 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 not a capacity, it's it's telling you how much power you have. And the reason why that's if so important is because we're not just giving you capacity, we're actually telling you how much power you have. And so this is used, obviously, in real time when you're on your Garmin, you can see how much power you have. And it's real. 
It's a real number. And we know it's real because we, we map it out. We give you a chart. We show you where your power is and we can show you when your power and your MPA align and touch. And amazingly, when we discover those moments of failure, the signature numbers explain that. So that your, you know, your threshold needs to be a certain number, right? If your threshold is 250 and we see a, a point of failure in your data, if your threshold was, uh, was 300, you wouldn't have had that failure. You would have been able to sustain the power much longer. And that's intuitive, totally intuitive, right? You think if you have higher numbers, you should be able to hold on for power, your power, higher power for longer, right? And by definition, that means you're a stronger athlete. So it's totally intuitive that this notion of MPA is something that kind of limits your performance. And so that's what we've done is we've shown how these three numbers are used to derive MPA, how MPA changes over time as you, as you fatigue during uh, a particular activity, and that the signature explains MPA. It calculates MPA. And the signature itself is what then you can use to understand what your fitness was at any at a given point in time. Yeah. And again, that's where it becomes really powerful. We talked about you and I, Scott, both having, let's say, a threshold power of 250. And if we were suddenly told to ask at 300 to ride as long as we can at 300 watts, because we model everything based on three signatures and MPA is derived from those fitness signatures, what we'll see is that you and I, our MPA will drop at different rates. Mm -hmm. and, and you might drop a lot faster than me, whereas I may have a much longer decay time. And that, again, is because of our unique physiology, which is captured in the in the fitness signature and then is used again to calculate the real-time MPA. So uh, that's where the tool becomes really powerful. We can then determine workouts based on not just let's ride at uh, for five minutes and go at this wattage. You, again, may be completely exhausted by three minutes in, whereas I wouldn't even be really maxed out yet at four or into five minutes. So the strain that we're putting on our body, the risk of overtraining and everything is completely different. You may blow up after just one one effort, whereas I may be able to do three or four at that. Again, not because necessarily I'm fitter, it's because my physiology is different from you. So the power of modeling with MPA is that we can then derive or or calculate and and have workouts where I say you and I are going to go, you know, still at 300 watts, but you're going to stop when you hit, let's say, an MPA of. We're both going to stop when we hit an MPA of 700. Let's say our our peak power is a thousand. So for you, that might be three minutes. For me, that might be four and a half. And then we're going to recover, and then we're going to go again at a different MPA. So we would get the exact same benefit of a workout the same stimulus but the wattage or the duration of the efforts may be completely different and that's one of the really neat things yeah you know and that's so important when you're when you're creating workouts right so you know if we assume we're all doing a vo2 workout and we map it out at 125 percent of fdp and we all do them we think it's going to be the same well it, it isn't right because the person with the larger hie capacity right they're going to have an easy time, an easier time at these intervals at 125 
versus the person that really aerobically gifted but maybe has a much lower HIE. So their so the threshold's higher and their HIE is smaller. So they're like you know tremendous athlete and maybe aerobically really gifted, but they're not going to be able to hit the 125 percent of threshold. It's just too it's too far beyond their capacity. And so modeling a workout, defining a workout as a percentage of FTP, you're going to run into these issues. We, you know, if you've read our blogs, we talk a little bit about those blogs, but this is really an important issue. And that's why coaches are so important. So if you just use, you know, your run of the mill, you know, workout and run of the mill training plan telling you to do these workouts at a percentage of threshold you're often going to run into issues. And what happens when you run into issues? So you look for a coach and you look for help because it doesn't make sense for you. Whereas with you using exert, we're going to be really precise because we've already worked out what you can do, right? We know how long you can hold 125% of FTP. We know exactly how long you'll be able to hold it. And so if we give you a workout that tells you to hold that number, we're going to be able to tell you this is how long you need to hold it for your particular workout as an example. So that's the, that's the distinction. Because we're not just using FDP, we're using these three numbers, we can be a lot more precise on an individual basis on the workout intensities that they should hit, how long they should hold them for, and even in the end, how much benefit are, they gonna, are you going to get from these types of intervals? Because every person is going to benefit differently. Yeah, and I know we've been talking a lot about the intervals, and most of us, when we think of an interval workout or or a session, it really comes down to how hard are we riding, you know, when we're on the on phase, but equally important is the recovery phase. And, you know, the, one of the eternal questions is, okay, when, how do I know, or when should I start my next interval? Um, you know, is it strictly by time? Is it again, work five minutes and then recover five minutes and then go again? For some people, that may be too long. You may be fully recovered, and that's not really the purpose. Or other people may not be recovered even after five minutes. Um, the beauty of there's been other scientific literature looking at you know should it be time based, should it be heart rate based, so that you recover until you get back to 105 beats per minute, and then you go again. That's been shown to be better than just strictly time, but we can now take it even further to we want you to reach this level of recovery. Let's say, again, with our example of a peak power of 1,000, and we want to drain ourselves down to an MPA of 700, we can say, hey, we want to want to want you to go and hit the next effort as soon as you hit your MPA recovers to 900. All right, so you can really design these awesome workouts that – that not only take you to a correct or appropriate level of fatigue within each interval, but also allows you to recover optimally in between them. I think one of the things that really fascinates me, uh, first of all, about the CPW prime model, and now kind of with what Exert is doing here is, is kind of instead of measuring physiological measures and, and making assessments about our fitness that way, we're using this power data and working backwards to kind of assess what, what our physiology is based on what we're seeing expressed in that power data. And, and that's one of the things that we see with, with different athlete types. Now, uh, Dr. Chung over here, uh, famous for doing his Ronestad workouts, is, is very gifted when it comes to these uh, hard intensity efforts uh, above threshold and, and repeating them on off. 
myself, I tend to be more of an aerobic athlete. And, and so I'm more comfortable doing those sustained 20 minute efforts uh, and being able to see the differences, despite us having maybe the exact same threshold power, being able to see differences in that high intensity energy and peak power that are able to differentiate between us is, is fascinating to me. And that's, you know, you know, we, you know, if you're using the system, you'll see all these different athlete types. So we try to kind of map out kind of what does the different fitness signature, when they're different between individuals, how do they, what do they look like and what do they manifest as, right? So, so that's what we did with the athlete types. We said, you know, some people are sprinters. Well, if you're a sprinter, what does it mean? You know, it means you're, you're generally your peak power is going to be really high. And your high intensity energy is going to be really high too. So you're going to have a pretty good power in between, say, one and two minute power. So if you're looking at a flat out one minute or two minute effort, a road sprinter is going to have really good numbers. Now, their threshold number may not be all that great. So if you look at their one hour power, may not be that great. But we know that their one or two minute power is going to be very high. And that's characteristic of a road sprinter, right? But then you're looking at a time trialer, right? Well, their peak power isn't going to be all that important. When you're doing a one-hour time trial, the threshold power is really it, right? So, so yeah, threshold power is, is really important in those longer efforts. Um, and so when you – and then there's all these, obviously all these different levels in between, right? So we have a 20-minute power you know, time trialer, so sprint time trialer, all the way to a two-minute road sprinter, right? Well, we have these, these other athlete types in between. And what that means is that when you're looking, let's say, a puncher, which is, you know, four minute watts per kilo, right? The, the puncher has a certain combination of peak power, HIE, and threshold that allows them to perform at the four minute power uniquely and more powerfully than a road sprinter who's maybe targeting a two minute power or a sprint time trial, which is that 20 minute power. So there's a different ratio and combination of those three numbers that make them uniquely capable of hitting four-minute power. And, and that's what distinguishes that kind of puncher, uh, that puncher type of athlete. And so, and road racing isn't really all about your threshold. Threshold is, no, no, undoubtedly, it's, most, it's, it's probably the most important value, but it's not everything. And so you can get some people with lower threshold values, but still outperform others with higher threshold values because the nature of the race really dictates that five-minute power is going to be what's most successful. And so those with the highest five-minute power are going to be much more effective. And that might mean a different combination of the three fitness signature parameters that result in the highest five-minute power. Yeah. Now, also, it's important to keep in mind, you can't, that's what athlete types are or the rider types. and. In a sense, when you list on, on your athlete type that you want to be a puncher, you know, that's kind of the profile, the fitness signature we're trying to turn you into. Mm -hmm. But there is certainly more than one way to succeed. And I remember in 2015, my friend Mark from upstate New York and I, we were riding the Blue Ridge Parkway in Virginia. And... He and I just had an amazing mano a mano competition. It was about 21 kilometers up Thunder Ridge. It was, and we were just in this knockdown drag out race the entire day, trying to hour, trying to kill each other. And and again, reflecting on 
completely different athlete types who were both able to succeed and perform the same way. Um, we were literally half wheeling each other or fighting each other the entire 21 kilometers. And except he was a diesel type and he would just be going at a hard, steady pace. And whereas I was constantly the one attacking him, I would have these huge surges and then I would try to hold on. And then Mark would just grind his way eventually back up to me. And then I would attack again. And, and I couldn't ride the hill in essence, the way he did. He couldn't ride it the way I did. He knew if he tried to follow my surges, he would blow up. Whereas I knew I wouldn't, I would have a hard time just maintaining that steady effort the entire way. Uh, our kind of watts per kilogram idea going up at the end was identical, right? And but yet the way we achieved that performance, and it was we both remark on it four years later. It's like, wow, that was just I've never turned myself inside out like that. And and um, but yeah, the way we accomplished it because of our physiology and our riding style was completely different. So it, it's also becomes really important to look beyond just average power of a ride. Uh, or anything like that, or my normalized power. That's, you know, that's a really important point because, you know, when you're trying to identify what your strengths and weaknesses are, right, you may look at all my my weaknesses and my four-minute power, right? That might be a weakness of yours. Well, that's, it's not like you have one weakness, like your threshold power is weak, or, you know, it's the combination, right, of your fitness signature parameters and how they work out to be performing at a given wattage is where you you might need to improve right so um yeah your 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 signature your your fitness is quite complex and uh how it's used to derive the power is what will determine whether it's a particular strength of yours or particular weakness and um like you're saying you can get to the same power values through different mechanisms so you may you know you may improve your threshold reduce another parameter and then get the same end result and and that also gives you obviously you can target a particular power but it also helps you understand how you're going to particularly race or you know how you use your specific individual capabilities and your strengths and weaknesses right also helps you understand how to race. So that's another aspect of this that's really important because we may have the same five-minute power, right? And the race may be really focused on the five-minute power. But because I come in with a higher threshold than you, well, I'm going to race differently. I know that if I get you, if I drop you and I get, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to catch back on, right? You just won't yeah. have that capacity. Whereas I know that you're going to be able to potentially, uh, you know, launch an attack on a, on a hill that I may, I may not be able to cover. And if I'm not careful that, you know, you might be able to get away. So those are the kinds of things that you may want to look at. And so how do I use my specific individual differences of my fitness signature in, in terms of how I'm going to race and use it? Yeah, and that's really important, just like we said in the first episode, or I said in the first episode, you know, any training system, including exert, is ultimately a tool to make you perform better. So don't just think about, oh, you know, I, I need to get to this signature. Also look at your current signature and see how it's going to inform your race tactics and your race strategy. So mm-hmm. that's equally important. Yep. That's worthy of a whole nother podcast by itself. Uh, we'll definitely have to follow that one up some other time. Well, Mark and I have since uh, every time we 
we get together, it's always a slugfest. So yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I have lots of stories to tell about that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we spent a lot of time today talking uh, about kind of this maximal efforts and and how this HIA is defining our capacity to perform above threshold. Uh, if we kind of look at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, how does exert take into account for kind of this continued uh, endurance? Uh, if I want to go out and, and ride my bike for six hours, uh, how is exert accounting for this? Right. So what what's interesting when you start to look at uh, MPA data and you start to look at your, your data over longer efforts. So, you know, we get a lot of questions and it's probably going to be another Another worthy podcast topic is to talk about kind of longer efforts and endurance energy and things like that. So we're not going to get too much into that today. But what we're able to discover is because we're able to kind of map out MPA, we kind of determined or saw that as these activities extended in duration, right? So, you know, after three, four, five hours. Now, we all know that if we were to do, let's say, a 20-minute FTP test, you know, we wouldn't do that after five hours of riding. Or if we did do it after five hours of riding, it wouldn't be the same number that we would have when we started, right? So there's this degradation of your fitness signature and your capacity to perform over longer uh, longer efforts. There's an erosion, in in effect, of, of these fitness signature values. What's actually what's really interesting is that if you ever look at professional athletes, that degradation is almost gone in many cases. It's amazing what some professional athletes can accomplish after five hours of riding. I think that's what uniquely distinguishes them as being unique and, and successful, in fact, in these races, is your ability to not see these, effort, these kind of, these kind of uh, loss in, in their threshold power even after five hours. But you kind of see that. And when, when, we, when I looked at kind of modeling how these numbers are affected, we said, you know, there, we see that your, your threshold power, your, your high intensity energy, your peak power to some degree will actually degrade and will lose, will decline it over these longer races, longer rides. Um, and said, well, okay, well, here's how they're declining. What's the lowest level that you, we see your threshold kind of reaching? And so when we calculated that, we saw, okay, well, what should this be? And so we coined the term, the term lower threshold power as being this number. We can calculate that. And you'll see that in, in, your, in your profile and on the apps that you might use with, with Exert and the iOS app. We'll have that information. Um, and it's representative of kind of what your threshold would be, let's say, in a highly fatigued state, kind of your lowest, lowest limit. And I think if ever you've been, if ever you've bonked or you're feeling like you're bonked, you could really feel like you really have no power left. You couldn't even hit that number. That would be like your MPA, right, in a fully bonked state. So, um, so now that we have this number, we thought, well, what could we use it for? And in, in discussing it with various, you know, sports scientists, you know, it, it sort of appears to be analogous to a point where your um your your uh, your substrate usage actually starts to switch you start to move from fat burning to carb burning now we haven't validated that point but it appears to align somewhat to that where that point is and our fat and carb app well actually uses lower threshold uh in um in establishing how much carbs and how many fats you burn so it's an estimation of how they're how they're used um and so now when you're training you kind of want to train around this point 
Because if you think about it, what's going to allow you to, to sustain really long efforts, like multi-hour efforts, is not your threshold powers. You're not going to be able to hold threshold power for five hours. But there is an intensity you can hold, right? And so what is that? And how do we train it, right? And how do we identify what it is? And so that's what we've been able to do is to say, okay, let's, let's, let's identify what that number is and then track it for you and allow you to train it. And then use it even during your workouts. So if you look at it, the exert workouts, we're always using lower threshold as part of our targets because we know that that's the point at which you're going to get the best recovery for the work effort you're going to do. So it's the most efficient way for you to use energy. If you go too hard, you don't recover fast enough. And so you're like, you know, you know, you're kind of you're you're limited in your ability to kind of create strain. Whereas if you hit and you hold the, the lower threshold, you can hold it for a really long time, generate a lot of strain and see greater improvements. So so that's really what the lower threshold is about. It's a way it's a way for the system to kind of help you identify what is that intensity that I know I can rely on at almost any given point during my training. And I know I can really add a lot of volume and a lot of strain on, on my low intensity system and see my, in effect, my aerobic system get the most improvement. Yeah, now pros or riders who have really unlimited time to train, they can go, you know, have 24 hours a day to think about training. They might be going during their base season five, six hour rides, but at a fairly low intensity, your typical polarized training idea to build that aerobic base but most of us are really you know a long ride especially if we're going solo maybe two hours at most three hours but what's the most efficient effective wattage to do that in and that's really if to use ltp in real life it's ideally you're aiming for roughly that that wattage so that it's a little bit harder than pure endurance effort but it's not so hard that you can't re recover from it and that you can do it for a sustained level or sustained duration and so that's really where you can use it day to day is if you are going out for an endurance ride and it's not going to be your six seven hour effort but you may only have two hours or so well you know try to in your base period or even in the bulkier polarized training try to hit that average power I think one of the misunderstandings that I see a lot with LTP is, is that not, it doesn't necessarily mean the power that you could sustain indefinitely. I think what's important to recognize is that as you ride, as you continue to ride um, even below threshold power, your threshold power is going to decay to that point, to the, to the point at which after five or six hours, that LTP point isn't kind of this indefinitely sustainable point, but that's essentially your new threshold power where mm -hmm. even trying to maintain that power is going to feel like trying to hold threshold in the first hour of a ride. Um, and so that's or even more so, you know, at the very limit, right? So the mathematical limit would suggest that your LTP is your MPA, right? So as soon as you hit that LTP and you go above it, it becomes your, your MPA. So at the absolute limit, mathematically, it's actually MPA. So you could imagine that even trying to get anywhere near it, how difficult of an effort that might be. Yeah. So I did the ride across Wisconsin a few years uh, ago, uh, being being a native Wisconsinite. And, yeah, uh, silly, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am crazy. Uh, it's uh, 177 miles of, of riding across the great state of Wisconsin. And 
uh, as I was training for this event, the whole idea of my preparation was to really drive up that that LTP as as much as I could. And so a lot of my training for that event, I, I really didn't do a lot of high intensity training. I'd say most of my training was very low intensity, a uh, couple hours every day, just uh, below LTP. And finally, once the day comes and, and it was time to ride, uh, my goal using the, the Garmin uh, data field that I have was to keep my power kind of underneath that LTP, knowing that uh, kind of every time that I'm surging or really pushing hard above that LTP, it's really going to make that last 50 to 75 miles that much harder. And so it's something that, one, you can use to target your training and improve, but then it's also a, a good metric to help you perform, especially uh, for those of you that are looking to improve in kind of the, the grand fondos or ultra endurance uh, races. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Um, now, I think we want to talk a little bit about the the calculator. I know, I know we, were, we were talking to you, but what does the calculator do and how is it used? And so... Um, I think, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, is my, is my signature correct, right? How do I know when my signature is correct? And so, like we were talking about earlier, you know, there's, there's, depending upon the quality of your data and the amount of efforts you see in it, it, it's become, sometimes it's easier for the system to, to, to pull out your signature. Sometimes it can be hard because you just don't have enough of these maximal efforts for it to really understand how your signature variables are related. Now, you know, through analyzing thousands upon thousands of, of, of activities, we do know that the, that the signature parameters sort of look a certain way, but there's certain patterns in terms of what we see. And you'll see in our blog on, on our, sorry, on our, on our FAQ on how to evaluate your signature, you'll see a chart there that kind of describes the relationship. And that's through, like I said, through the, you know, evaluating thousands of these, of these, uh, of these uh, activities. And so... You can look at and see if, if your signature kind of matches those patterns, right? Um, and if it doesn't, then you may want to think about, well, how do I go about and adjust? So, you know, you can certainly look at adjusting that yourself, send a note into, into support, and we can help you with that. But ultimately, you're trying to identify. So what the system is trying, is, is trying to do, either it automates the, the process of identifying these signatures, or helps you right adjust and, and find that signature as well. So you know, it, 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 many times it can do this without any intervention. But sometimes it could use someone who says, "Hey, you know, I think I think my five minute power is going to be closer to these values, right? I think I know what my what my kind of signature should look like. Let me make some adjustments." And and we have a calculator for that, right? So. Um, so if you, if you're getting, uh, if you kind of know what your numbers are, you can plug them into the calculator. And what's really interesting is that you can just plug in three numbers. So if you say, I know my one minute, my four minute and my five, my 10 minute power, I can then establish what my, what my fitness signature is. And what's unique and different about the fitness signature calculator that we have is that it's kind of independent of your durations. So if you think about CPW Prime, I know if some people, this may be a little more, more detailed, kind of geeky, but, you know, how you calculate CPW Prime, you know, what, what, what tests you need to do. Uh, with the exert model, it's independent of, of these tests, right? You don't need to have one long, or one short, or, you know, or three different types of, of tests. In fact, you know, the sensitivity to your fitness signature 
your, even your threshold power, for example, exists even at really, really short durations. So you could technically go into the calculator, put in a 10-second effort, 15-second effort, and 20-second effort. And if you knew precisely what those numbers were, it would tell you what your threshold is. Because your threshold is a component of your, of your 20-second power, believe it or not. Right? At least that's how we mathematically model this. And so since it's a component of those efforts, whenever you do a sprint effort, you do have a component of threshold in there that the system can use to help derive what that is. So you will see sometimes you get a sprint and you'll see a change in your threshold power because that's what the system was able to infer from your, from your breakthrough that your signature should increase as a result of that effort because they're all tied together. They're all expressing how you can perform at any intensity. So that's what's unique about kind of the signature and how the, the calculator works in the sense that it's using all your these three numbers to derive all three values. Yeah, of, of, that brings up a good point. I think of the parameters of threshold power, HIE, I think exert by itself when you do hard efforts or things that it gets gets those quite well. I would hazard to say the peak power one is harder to get yeah. right because mm-hmm. that is really talking about your one second power and and it's really important in a sense to get that right because that is where your MPA is anchored to, right? That is your starting MPA. So right. if you in reality can generate eleven hundred watts over one second in that peak sprint, but yet whether it's because you haven't updated in a long while or you haven't really just done a hard effort and you you the exert has your peak power at say 800 instead your kind of mpa is going to be really you know kind of somewhat somewhat challenged to to develop it properly so one thing i would suggest is i know i know classically this happens over over the winter time when we're just doing our base training and peak power generally tends to decay and we say okay well that's fine as long as threshold power hie is still good you know i'll reset it when i come out come out into um into spring and i'm out on the road again i think it's really important to to uh have a realistic peak power and whether you try to do that over the winter also if you're stuck on a trainer all the time because we know it's harder to really crank that pure power out on a trainer that you can on the road uh i would say use the use exert and manually input your peak power over the course of winter time to what you are quite comfortable with you know you can if you can hit 1100 during summer chances are you know you can still probably hit that over the winter and i would make sure that is kind of kept properly so that your whole mpa is calculated properly Mm -hmm. as you mentioned uh, i believe earlier uh, garbage in garbage out Mm -hmm. gotta keep that fitness signature up to date and and make sure that uh, uh, if your peak power isn't truly representative of what it actually is, then then of course the model is not going to give you uh, any accurate results. Yeah, and that's a really important point. In fact, we often often a a, a source of con- issues with someone's fitness signature is that you know the, their peak power is 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 in the system at 800 watts, and then they do this sustained effort at 700 watts. 
and system says, oh, okay, sustained effort at 700 watts. Well, that must mean that your threshold must be pretty good because you're starting at 800, right? And so that's the inference it will make because your your peak power is 800. And so you get an overestimation of your threshold power because it'll make that, it'll account for that that way. And if you simply go in and beforehand adjust that to 1100 or where it should have been, then that 700 watt effort isn't going to dramatically change your threshold. The system can't, isn't going to say, well, your threshold needs to be a lot higher than it was because that's the only way we can achieve 700 watts over that extended effort. So it'll account for that and it'll be, it'll be more accurate in terms of assessing how to interpret these kind of higher power extended efforts. Yeah, and that's where I think I talked about the example in the wintertime. You want to make sure that's set properly. But I think in terms of athlete types, if you are a Grand Fondo rider, if you're a triathlete, you may think, who cares about peak power? You know, it's not something I train for. I still think it is important to, first off, being fast on a bike is fun. And sprinting is is pretty fun to do to to see just how fast you can go. But I also think it is really good to, even if you never use it in a race situation, both to train for it just for fun, but also to get that accurate peak power to really know whether you can generate 800 watts or is it 1,000 or is it 1,200 watts. And because that's going to really improve your signature and that of the of all of the parameters and regardless of what system you use, not just exert, that's the hardest one to peg down really, really accurately. And that one is also the one that has the biggest impact on, on modeling. Mm-hmm. I just want to add one little point to this because I, we get this sometimes. And I just thought I'd point it out in the podcast, which is kind of cool. So some people will say, you know, um, you know, I, I, I only got to 1100 Watts in, in, in my, in my activity, but my breakthrough says I got my, my peak power is 1300 Watts. Where did you get 1300 Watts from? Right. How did that come? Where did that come from? I never hit 1300 Watts before. Well, just remember what the software is doing, right? It's, it's modeling your NPA. So if, it, if you're holding above threshold for a while and means that your NPA must have come down, right? So you're above threshold for a while. And then you do the 1100 watt effort. Well, it must be, since your NPA came down, it must have started at a higher value. So the software will work that out, right? It'll work that out for you and say, oh, okay, you did this 1100 watt effort under fatigue, right? Let's estimate what that fatigue is and says, okay, well, unfatigued, what could you have done? So it's back to that whole argument about what could you have done if you had done something without fatigue? And that's what the system will try and calculate and will even determine what your theoretical peak power would, would likely have been. I think that's one of the things that really draws me to exert and, and what I find really cool about it is, uh, I mean, anybody can, can take your peak power and your mean max power and kind of show you historically what you have done. Uh, but what I really enjoy using exert for is kind of uh, analyzing my ride and seeing, well, what could I have done? And, and just seeing the optimistic side of exert and, and being able to use that now going forward, knowing that, hey, if I could hit 1100 watts after being fatigued, then I know I can definitely sprint a lot harder than that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the previous podcast, we talked about breakthroughs a lot mm-hmm. and, uh, and kind of how they're tracking these changes in your, in your uh, performance. 
Now, uh, how do these fitness signature parameters respond to those breakthroughs, or what are they telling us? So, um, so when you open up your activity in Exert and you go to the bottom of your activity details, you'll see your fitness signature. All right, and so. Um, if you click on the advanced tab, you'll actually see an, an additional button at the bottom. So if you open up a breakthrough, um, first off, you'll you'll be able to see that um, on the activity details, you'll be able to see what the changes were to that to the fitness signature. And if you scroll down to the bottom um, and under the advanced tab, you'll see this this uh, previous button. And when you click on the previous button, what the system will do is it'll say, "Okay, what was your signature?" prior to this breakthrough and what was your mpa using that signature so when you hit the previous button you'll see the new chart and you'll see what the MP, mpa was previous to your breakthrough and so that's if you're using your garmin right and you had used you're watching your garmin that's likely what you what you would have seen you would have seen that mpa data right so you would have seen the breakthrough where, where the, the your power crosses the MPA. And in fact, sometimes you'll see it above MPA for quite a long period of time, depending upon the nature of the breakthrough. If the breakthrough is really deep, closer to your threshold, it's conceivable that you could be above your, your, your MPA for an extended period just because of the adjustment needed in your threshold. So, so you'll see that on the chart. So you'll see when the breakthrough happened. But then when you go back to current, you'll see the adjustment. So what happens is the system will work out what it thinks, what it can interpret, right, from your data and what your signature was at that time. So your parameters will be adjusted upwards. And then you'll see MPA only come down and reach power at one point, right? That, is beca that becomes the, the, your actual highest point and your breakthrough point, the low where you see your, your green diamond. So the changes in your fitness, your fitness signature are then shown at the bottom. So you'll see how much your threshold has gone up. You'll see how much your HIE has gone up and you'll see how much your peak power has gone up. Uh, and like we said before, if um, uh, a um, signature uh, uh, parameter went up, then that's a bronze breakthrough. And if two of them have gone up, that becomes a silver breakthrough. And if, if three of them have gone up, then it's a gold breakthrough. I think one of the fascinating parts for me this past year, uh, I did a lot of face training in the winter months here in Canada, uh, really working on driving up that LTP number and, and trying to get that threshold bumped up a little bit. Uh, and I watched my HIE kind of slowly decay over the winter and watched my peak power decay a little bit. Uh, but once we got into the early spring season, I, I really put myself through the ringer and uh, I did a couple months of front-loaded uh, protocol where uh, I did four days of high intensity workouts in one week uh, and then followed by three weeks of just one high intensity day per week. Uh, and what I noticed there is that my LTP pretty much plateaued, my threshold power kind of plateaued and that my HIE uh, improved something like 20% uh, mm -hmm. in, in the time frame of three months. And, and so what I find fascinating uh, about what Exert's able to do based on, on the strain that I'm generating, uh, based on the type of riding that I'm doing, is it's actually manipulating individual um, aspects of my fitness signature based on the type of riding that I'm, that I'm performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, that's, and I think that's another great topic, right? When we get into strain, we get into training loads and recovery loads and 
uh, training status and things like that, I think it'll be really meaningful to kind of start to map out how your fitness signature variables vary over time and how the variance is really dependent upon how they're trained. And so you can start to train them. Now you can't train them individually. You, you know, you still got to pedal the bike and you're still using all three systems. Every time you're pedaling the bike, you're using, you at minimum using your threshold power, but uh, you know, you could be using all three systems. So it's really hard to pinpoint exactly one variable other than let's say threshold power. Um, but, um, but yeah, so so you're yeah you will see a uh, a, a a change and a uh, an increase of your different fitness signature var- variables over over your training. Um, but you know, I, there's another point I think that's really important that um, it probably gets lost in a few people that are using the system. Um, and this is really an important point to make. So especially when you start looking at it from a physiology standpoint. So. Because we're mapping MPA to your fitness signature, right, where the three numbers are predicting your ability to perform, let's say roughly within the first hour half of performance, right, we're going to leave the five-hour rides off, off for, for a moment, right? We're going to say, okay, within the first uh, one and a half hours, when you're looking at all the elements of your power duration curve, and you're saying, okay, um, what are those? And how do we identify what we're actually truly capable of on a maximal effort basis? Um, we say that you have three variables that govern all of your performance, your capacity to perform over this, let's say, this period, right? And so if you think about that, that's, that's pretty profound because we're saying, you know, basically you can, we know how much power you can produce as a result of three numbers that define your fitness, right? So if you invert that principle, right, which is what we've done with the train loads, you invert it and you say, well, if three numbers define what I can perform at any given point, then there's only three numbers I can train, right? There are no other variables. You can say, well, you know, how do I train my VO2? Well, there's no notion of VO2. It's not like there's a fourth parameter somehow is inferred that affects your ability to perform. It's embedded in one way or one or more of those variables, right? So, so that's because we're able to predict what your power can be at any given point in time. So I think, I, I think that's an important concept to, to understand. Um, now, no, there, there can be other aspects that can affect your performance. You can't always reach MPA, you know, and I think anybody that uses a system kind of realizes that. It seems like it's an easy thing. You know, at any point I can just hop on, the, hop on the pedal and, you know, push my power all the way to MPA. It's not always easy. It's, it's a full maximal effort. And some efforts are labeled impossible and extremely, extremely difficult to do. Um, but you can do them. And that's why you're seeing the, the results that you're seeing. Um, but it's important to note that that your efforts then are really um, they're kind of you know um, uh, controlled or they're really uh, delivered by these three different systems. So that's a really unique concept. You know that's that's driven by the data. That's not driven by our idea of how physiology is really mapped by three variables. A lot of people say that's impossible. You know, a lot of people say you can't map what a person could perform with just three numbers. There's just too much complexity in the system. And we're saying, well, we get pretty close with just three numbers, right? So it's, it's surprisingly how precise 
we how precisely we can map out an athlete's performance, but just by using three numbers against their 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 power data. So that's can't be um, I guess um, we can't forget about that. That's that's a really important point, right? When when you're looking at uh, understanding what you know what your fitness is and what you can actually perform. Um, I don't think I have anything else for today. Um, I think that covers just about everything that I wanted to cover. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Stephen? Uh, no, except I'm just uh, looking forward to getting back to my bike and gradually building up all three parameters from uh, <laughs> from my injury. So Very good. watch the space. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be on the Facebook page and I'll gradually be showing my improvement, hopefully, uh, throughout the coming months yeah the the return from broken foot right Mm -hmm. uh thanks everyone for listening today uh like i mentioned at the beginning of the video we're still looking for a title for our uh, podcast series if you've got any good suggestions drop them in the comments for us even Uh, bad suggestions we'll take those mm -hmm. or bad suggestions too we'll just laugh at you uh you can find us uh, on Facebook at the Exert Users page. You can find us on Twitter uh, or on the uh, Google. If you Google XCRT, you can find more about us there. Um, anything yeah. else, Armando? Yeah. You know, don't forget, you know, whenever you have any issues, any challenges you might have with the, uh, the algorithm or your fitness signature or any of the variables, or if you're just looking to understand things a little bit more, by all means, you can reach out to our support uh, email, uh, support email, send us a note, and we'll be happy to respond. And the Facebook group is really good with sharing information there, too. So don't feel shy about posting on there with any questions. All right. Thank you. That's it for this week. All right. I'll catch you next time. All right. Bye for now. Ciao.